You are listening to Alter Echo, a scripture and message podcast with pastors Andy Smith and Kim Kylo of St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us and worshiping with us. Well, the Alter Echo Sermon Podcast. Uh, this is Pastor Kim here sitting at my desk on what has been a blustery and cold, snowy Friday. Um, coming to you with scripture and a message for Sunday, February 13th of 2022. Uh, this week's theme in Brian McLaren's We Make the Road by Walking is from chapter 25 titled Jesus, Violence, and Power. Now, if you tuned into our Alter Echo text study podcast for the week, you know that this is a um, rich and complicated and uh, probably loaded topic for a lot of people, um, but we're going to dig into the scripture and see what that has to teach us about this topic and how Jesus how Jesus leads us. So let's dig in. Uh, if you're interested, the first reading that we'll hear in worship on Sunday is Isaiah 42 verses 1 through 9, but I will not read that for you today. Instead, we will focus on the gospel reading, which is Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 28. So if you have your Bible open, um, or if you have a Bible with you, you can sure open it to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, and read along with me. So here we go. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew Now, when Jesus came into a district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then Jesus sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must undergo, or rather he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. 
For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with angels in the glory of the Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. To get us started on this topic today, I want to ask you some um, (laughs) maybe strange or seemingly at first uh, irrelevant questions. If you, have you had the experience um, that if you see a child that you know every single day, just one child, you don't necessarily notice how tall they are. Uh, But if you don't see that child (laughs) for weeks or months, or a different child for that matter, um, you notice how drastically they've grown. This happens all the time at our house. Um, I see my son every day, uh, but when he sees perhaps an aunt or an uncle or someone he just doesn't see as often as he sees his own parents, they say, oh my gosh, you've gotten so tall. But because I see him every day, I hardly notice but he has indeed gotten taller. Or maybe similarly, if you live in any given community, you drive around regularly, you see the growth that happens, you notice new buildings as they are constructed, uh, you take stock of the changes regularly and gradually. But if you only visit a different community, maybe once every so often, maybe once a year, the change is noticeable. It strikes you, you can't miss it because it seems like so much has changed all at once and the impact of the change really strikes you. Likewise, there are stories in the Bible that we read or hear regularly stories that become familiar to us and we know them well. Take the story of Jesus' birth, for example. We know all about Mary and the angel Gabriel and the wise men and the shepherds and the star and the glorias. And it becomes really familiar to us. When we know a story from the Bible well, really well, I wonder, Is it possible that we miss some of the impact? That because a story is familiar or normal to us, perhaps some of the significance of that story and its meaning and its purpose and its value is lost on us simply because the story is so familiar. How about a different story? Not the story of Jesus' birth, but consider a different, very familiar story in the Bible. How about Jesus' crucifixion? Do you feel the full impact of that story each and every time you hear it? Does the significance of what Jesus undergoes in the entire passion narrative from betrayal to he breathed his last breath, does that hit you full in the chest, almost knock the wind out of you each and every time you hear it. 
my assumption, my theory here is that it probably doesn't <laughs> for most of us because we have this way of making the story of Jesus' death really nice. <laughs> this is what I mean. We slap a smile on our faces when we say to our children, Jesus died for our sins. As though it's the simplest, most uncomplicated good news with a nice little bow on top because it's so sweet. Except that Jesus died. Or if we want to be a bit more scripturally honest, Jesus was tortured. Jesus endured agony. Jesus was the victim of unspeakable violence. Jesus was executed. Friends, there's nothing nice about that. Not even close. So much so that I find the name Good Friday <laughs> ironic every single year. <laughs> and I would like to put a different label on that day. <laughs> Because violence is violence. Death is death. And try as we might, there's no making it good or nice. If you're with me here, you maybe can understand Peter's confusion in the gospel reading we heard today from Matthew 16. When he says, well, rather, when Jesus starts explaining that he will undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and so on and be killed and that he on the third day will be raised. And to this explanation from Jesus, Peter takes him aside and begins to, to, to reject it, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. Of course not. There is something in us like Peter that should be confused about the idea that Jesus must die, that Jesus must be the recipient of such intense violence that it kills him. But in this gospel story, Jesus is called correctly by Peter, one and the same, the Messiah, which in the Greek means liberator. It means ruler, it means king which is a pretty threatening claim for someone to have because there can only be one ruler at a time. There can only be one king. And so if Jesus is to be the Messiah, the ruler, the king, the liberator, then the only way for that to happen is for the current seated ruler or king to be unthroned, dethroned, dethroned. Which is problematic, of course. Because the powers that be in Jesus' day, of course, were oppressive empire regime uh, that kept 95% of the people, maybe 98, extremely poor and oppressed um, and in poverty, while the elite few <laughs> got to have a comfortable, lavish, extravagant life. And so the people were waiting for a Messiah, for a liberator to free them from the kind of life that was based in violent, powerful empire. But by human standards, the only way to defeat one oppressive empire 
is by becoming an empire worse enough, <laughs> more oppressive enough to defeat the current terrible, oppressive, violent empire. Do you see where we're going here? But Jesus was not going to do that. Jesus was not going to unseat the violent, oppressive, terrible, death-dealing empire by being a bigger, badder empire, by being a more violent, more powerful dictator. Jesus had something else in mind. And Jesus has a new way for us, too. Not a way of defeating violence by simply being more violent. Not a way of overcoming power simply by being more powerful. Jesus has a way, a new way, through violence. Jesus has a new way beyond the kind of power that is based in control and domination. In his chapter on this for this week, in We Make the Road by Walking, Brian McLaren says, Since the beginning, Jesus has taught that the non-violent will inherit the earth because violence cannot defeat violence. Hate cannot defeat hate. Fear cannot defeat fear. Domination cannot defeat domination. In all of those things, more of the same, expecting different results, is just more of the same. And a particular sadistic version of insanity. But McLaren goes on to say that God's way is different. God must achieve victory through defeat, glory through shame, and strength through weakness, leadership through servanthood, and life through death. God in Jesus Christ is not going around anything in order to unseat the powers that be. Jesus is not going to find a way that is avoidant. He is going to go through it to unseat it, to defeat it, and to overcome it. And so ultimately we know that in God's name, Jesus will undergo violence in his own life. He will undergo violence in his own body and spirit. And in doing so, Jesus will overcome violence and power. What then are we to say? How do we see that God goes through violence to make a new way? What is this new way that God has if it is not based in the only thing that we humans know, which is violence and power? If we look just a bit further in scripture, I think we find our answer. In the familiar words, often spoken ironically at weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, think perhaps we find the character of a God who is so uninterested in violence that he finds an inverse way. And we hear, replacing just one word, God is patient. God is kind. God is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. 
parentheses, those things only lead to violence. And we continue. God does not insist on God's own way. God is not irritable or resentful. God does not rejoice in wrongdoing because God rejoices in the truth. People of God, God bears all things. God believes all things. God hopes all things and God endures all things, even death on the cross. Because God's love never ends. So, people of God, can we examine the ways that violence and power show up not only in Jesus' life, but also in ours? Can we take a reflective look at the ways that this human way of violence happens very obviously, but also sometimes very subtly in the ins and outs of daily life? And can we, like Jesus, move through violence, move beyond power, and move instead toward God's way of a world marked with compassion, patience, a love that is based only in the good. Something to consider as we hear these powerful words from the Gospel of Matthew. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now God's word is alive in us again anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us out into the world in which we live. Everyone, if you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it, sjlcl.org. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.